When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Monday. Good morning. We have a fun show for you today on the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Rankar. That is Sean Fitz. But that is, I, I, that's a foregone conclusion. We always have a great time here on the show today. What we actually have is uh, we're going to be resetting the class of 2024. 13 commitments. So if Penn State gets a class of 25, 26, we are halfway through that number. Also, Garrett Sexton. One of those players that committed to Penn State, he and I had a conversation this weekend. You're going to see part of that as an exclusive sneak preview of the interview, which you'll be able to check out at bluewhiteillustrated.com later today. That is going to be some on three exclusive content, so you need to subscribe to bluewhiteillustrated.com if you want to get some of the the full 20-minute conversation. But Fitz, we have breaking news here to start the show. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles have selected another Georgia Bulldog for their defense uh, on Monday. Yeah, don't throw the breaking news there at me because that just made me skip a beat there. Um, especially when I cover recruiting, because it's it's always it's always the funny ones where you you pop up. Like the other day, I was waiting for Corey Smith, and somebody liked or retweeted a Franklin "We Are Better" tweet from earlier in the week, and I'm like, oh. "Don't do that! Don't do that at all!" Because that makes me just uh, yeah, my my heart's not built for that. So. Um, you know, the, the little things like that. So saying there's breaking news and then turning it into Philadelphia Eagles draft talk. I, I'm not on board with you for that one, but they did. <laughs> they did just keep taking guys. And I'm like, how is he still there? And how yeah. is how he getting away with all this stuff? And at me as a Washington fan, I sit back and it, it, it's irrelevant to me. And the draft's usually my best day of the year. Peak Washington Commanders season. Um, oh, yeah. But just to see them just keep ex- exceeding expectations and the Eagles doing good thing. It's just crazy. So anyway, do you have any more? I mean, I know you have last minute draft thoughts, like the way that you've covered that and followed that. I know you have some thoughts. So anything that you've got as we start the show today? I like, I like the coming back to the commanders. I really like having, um, uh, Mitchell Tinsley in that organization. I think he can provide a little bit of juice I really think he should play in the slot, which then is interesting with uh, Jahan. I think Jahan can win outside, so you've got some versatility there. He can provide a little bit of depth, and he's one guy that I think might be a better pro than he was a college player if he finds the right situation because he is a big-bodied guy that has really great short area quickness, and I'm excited to uh, to see what he can do in the NFL. And then just still surprised that Sean Clifford went in the fifth round. Uh, not surprised that he went to the Packers. I know there's a little bit of there's a pre-draft buzz. He met with them a couple times, but the fifth round, as so many quarterbacks were going in this draft, and the, the, the guys that were in the seventh round started going in the fifth, and then I hear like this Brock Purdy sort of uh, boomerang effect of pushing up all the quarterbacks just in case you find one that can get you through. Um, I, I thought that was super interesting, uh, and and I think it's a good fit, you know, for for Sean Clifford. I wrote in detail why over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Those are really the two main things that I come out of the weekend with. And then the Bills, they were okay, you know, like uh, you got the best tight end and the best guard, which is like getting the best side dishes, but at the same time. The, they needed those positions, so yeah. it was a good draft. It was a pretty low key, I think. I didn't, I didn't really like the the tight end pick for Bo- uh, Buffalo because I'm a big Dawson Knox first touchdown score pop prop better. So like yeah. that that one's gonna hurt there. Um, yeah, I, I, I was when that uh, when the Houston quarterback came off the board, I think in the fourth round, I was like something's crazy because I looked and I looked at it, saw Aiden O'Connell come off the board in the fourth round. Those guys don't scream fourth round picks to me, but then no. again. I mean, quarterback is so thin I, I actually opened the draft uh board like the the draft tracker and there were fewer quarterbacks on there than i thought i'm and the the thought creeped into my mind is like does this push clifford into the draft like does this get him there and then fifth round uh i think everybody was taken by surprise also it, it's okay to be happy for that you know like yeah. i'm very happy for sean clifford I, we've criticized him we've we criticized we've praised we've done all the kind of stuff 
in the Sean Clifford experience, but for him to go dra- get drafted, I think is awesome. I think it's yeah. absolutely awesome. And the way that he finished his career, I mean, it's great legacy and everything like that. So that's, that's really yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. Fifth round did not see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I agree with you wholeheartedly that, you know, it's our job to kind of tell you how it is uh, when it comes to Penn state players and not necessarily sugarcoat things. We, we try to be as respectful as possible, but when you see Sean Clifford and the emotion that came to him when he was drafted, uh, Fitz, I know you retweeted this. If you check it out online on social media, that's what it's about, man. I mean, you, we talk all the time about how hard it is to be a football player and how much effort it takes. And you could see on a lot of these guys how much they care and how much Sean Clifford cares about playing football and then to be drafted and to overcome all those expectations. You could see all of that in that 30-second clip or whatever it was from social media. So super happy for him, super happy for that situation. And uh, the door isn't closed to him seeing playing time. I mean, nobody knows what Jordan Love is. I know he's going to be the starter, but it's not like he's going to be behind um, you know, Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. He's not going to be behind a guy that's a clearly established starter with a big contract. This is a guy going into his, his fourth year in the NFL with no playing experience. Well, it's like when, when Washington drafted RG3, they, they took Kirk Cousins later in the yeah. draft. And I said to myself before they draft, like before that draft day, I'm like, someone's going to take Kirk Cousins and he's going to be in the league for 10 years. Now he's exceeding those kind of expectations, but that's kind of how you feel about Sean is like, if he holds a clipboard for seven years, that's fantastic. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the expectations are. And obviously Jordan Love taking over for, a, you know, big shoes and Aaron Rodgers. But like, that's really cool to have that opportunity because he's smart enough to do it. Like yep. that's thing that we keep going back to is those pre-call checks and, and things like that at the line of scrimmage, like putting people in the right uh, areas. Like you can hang around the league knowing that stuff and being a reliable backup and hitching yourself to a coach who might move around, um, you know, how Colt McCoy has been in the league forever. Chase Daniels in the league forever. You're like those guys is, you know, if that's the goal, that's fantastic. I agree. It's a good fit. Um, it's a good opportunity for him to um, carve out and be a veteran. I think is he older than Jordan Love. Did I read that? Or was Three and a half months. There? Yeah. The, that was the first thing I looked up. Cause I was like, Jordan Love is not that old. I know he came in young and Clifford was in college for six years. So they're both 98 babies. And uh, Clifford was born in July instead of November. It's nice of the Packers to draft a uh, a mentor for their third year quarterback. That's <laughs> so uh, fantastic work by them. But no, really cool. Um, no real surprises. Tinsley's interesting because um, you brought him in as an extremely productive guy from Western Kentucky, a guy that got some draft buzz, and all of a sudden he doesn't go, it doesn't get drafted. Uh, will that sting Penn State in the long run in terms of recruiting receivers out of the portal? Maybe. I mean, that's something that other teams will point to and say a guy was very productive at a lower level, went up, did not do what he needed to do, or I don't want to say did not do what he needed to do, but did not produce the way that, you know, you would think that he would produce um, given the numbers. To, to get to the NFL. Yeah, yeah I think it's fair to, to say, like, for that threshold, he was good for Penn State, but to get the NFL notice, that clearly didn't happen. Yeah, to bring in a transfer and then have him go undrafted is kind of a mark against you. So I'll be interested yeah. to see how that how that works its way out. Um, you know, and it's not a position like like with Derek Tangelo. You could point to, hey, he started pretty much every game. He played all the time. He did some good things in camp, so but he's also a defensive tackle, so I don't think it matters as much because it's different when you when how many receivers were drafted in this draft. I mean that's uh, that's going to be something that's a, a check mark against Penn State, but yeah. they also have an opportunity to turn it around with Dante Cephas coming in, Malik McLean, all those guys. So, be very interested to see how that sort of narrative builds itself over the next couple of years. Uh, the other, the last guy I want to talk about, um, and and not to end on a sour note, but I was looking at. I didn't write anything about Parker Washington because I'm I'm a little concerned. I don't think this is a great fit for him because you look at what what they have on the roster in Jacksonville. Zay Jones is an inside-outside slot receiver guy, big-bodied. Christian Kirk can line up in the slot, and they traded for Calvin Ridley. So I don't really know where Parker fits into this. Are they are they actually going to ask him to be a slash player, like take snaps at running back, and and how does he fit into that wide receiver core? I think going to play with Trevor Lawrence is great, but I'm a little concerned about Parker going in the fifth round and being a guy immediately fourth or fifth on the depth chart without a lot of upward mobility from what it seems at least. Yeah. I'm um, curious about that one, but also like, I think Parker Washington is very good. Like he hurt himself at the end of the season in practice and was unable to run. Like it wasn't a situation where he was refusing to run. He just 
he's not healthy. He was not healthy enough to run. You saw enough tape. You saw him, what he did against Ohio state. So he did it against good teams, you know, Ohio state secondary being what it was with their tackling issues and everything doesn't, doesn't really matter because he did it against Ohio state. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a steal, but I agree. I mean, the fit, given what's there, um, you know, ahead of him, it's going to be tough for him to break through. And I think he will. I think he'll, I think he'll be fine um, in terms of making a roster because he is that talented and he's more athletic than I think people want to give him credit for just because he didn't go with the combine because he wasn't able to go with the combine. So we'll see what happens. I think he'll he'll catch on. He's he he was already a pro by the time he got to Penn State, so like he has that mentality. So I think that's going to help him out as well. Uh, before we get to our next topic today, I'm loving by the way, uh, post draft conversation. Post draft Monday is the best, but three, we got a bone here. So that was uh, uh, we don't have Ryan Snyder today. He he had a good weekend, uh, so he's off today. So um, you know, we 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 decided to open it up a little bit, talk a little draft. Yeah, the problem is now Wednesday. I'm going to have to repeat some of the things I said here on this show, but that's okay. We'll we have plenty of time to come up it's, with more interesting. It's the internet. Things. You can repeat it all you want and it's still new to somebody so yeah which is why we're going to talk about Corey smith in just a hot second but before that are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the american dream are you looking for a side hustle working your current job uh as somebody who's had four side hustles in his life finding one that provides you actual value and money that's really important or do you want to diversify build wealth and leave a legacy Check out my perfect franchise, Andy Ludicky. Uh, I met Andy, by the way, so I can attest to this is a guy who really cares about his clients. I drilled him on a lot of stuff because this is an area in business I don't know a lot about, but I know to be suspicious of people. And Andy is a guy that, from what I can tell in my interactions with him, a guy I would trust. Find uh, my perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net. He is a franchise consultant with extensive experience placing people like you in the perfect franchise to manage. He'll go over a bunch of stuff, including your financial situation, your uh, background, your expertise, your passions, what you want to accomplish, and so much more. It's a it's an in-depth process that takes a couple of months that will get you ready for the next step in your life. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions, because I don't know everything about uh, franchise consultation or franchise management or business. He does, so go talk to him. Check out Blue White Illustrated message board. Uh, you can go to Lions End message form or at Andy Andy at myperfectfranchise.net to get started today. And if you see here on on the screen, 404-973-9901 is his phone number. So check out my perfect franchise. Uh, the last thing you and I talked about this on Friday. So we'll just do a quick recap here. Corey Smith committed to the Nittany Lions on Friday. He is a consensus four-star running back and um, the second running back in the class here. So it fits uh, an overall recap of Corey Smith, how he fits with the Nittany Lions, and how you feel he, uh, you know, his skills translate to Penn State. Yeah, d- does a lot of things very well. Um, kind of a slash guy, catches the ball very well. Uh, we talked about him being a receiver down the field, um, about 5'11 and uh, 175 right now. Uh, good speed, 11-1, uh, can get faster. Um, and I think he's, he, I don't think he's run the 100 meters this year. So we don't have a, a frame of reference on that in this spring, but we had that, that 11 one from, from, uh, from last year. So uh good pickup for Penn state. I think he's very shifty uh, a lot like London Montgomery made that comparison last week. And I'm, I'm excited to see them continue to build in Wisconsin. It's been uh, defying all of logic for Penn state to go and get three guys out of Wisconsin, three pretty good guys out of Wisconsin. So um, be interesting to continue to work on that. Um, you know, actually wrote up some stuff over the weekend explaining how that all came together. So check that out on the site uh, when it goes live. But uh, very, very good pickup for Penn State. Now two running backs in the class, Quentin Martin and Corey Smith, different style running backs. Um, I think Penn State will still continue to recruit other running backs because 
you can't have enough running backs. I think Ohio State just took a third one uh, this weekend in Jordan Lyle, who was Penn State's top target or one of mm-hmm. Penn State's top targets at running back. So um, you can never have enough running backs, as we saw at the end of last season, as two freshmen were carrying the load for Penn State. So Smith, a good pickup for Penn State. Um, industry has him as a four star. Blue on three has him as a three star. Um, you know, size is something that kind of works against him. Speed is good, can get faster. Um, so yeah, a lot to like there in Corey Smith, the newest nitty line. If you want to check out the full conversation we had about Corey, bluewhiteillustrated.com uh, or here on Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, the Corey Smith breaking news video, which uh, is uh, one of our latest in the breaking news commitments. There's been there's been quite a few recently. So check them all out, by the way. Um, and coming up in just a little bit more on Wisconsin, uh, and the Wisconsin recruits. We do have a question here in the chat that's a, a, a great question here from Stephen Light. Uh, is there a date that names in the transfer portal expire, or does it all just go out with a whimper? He says, great show as always. Stephen, thank you for being here and contributing as always. If you want to leave a tip in the tip jar like Stephen with a, with a, um, with the super chat, uh, by all means, we appreciate that, but we'll be talking to you throughout the show. So what? how does the transfer portal work? I think he's saying, do you expire in the portal I, I feel like you just got to make a decision at a certain point, right? Yeah, you had to make a decision by yesterday. So what this does is so when you go to the port or when you decide you want to transfer, you have to go to your compliance people. You have to put in the appropriate information. They process it. So like guys might still pop up in the portal today, maybe even tomorrow. Sometimes it takes two business days to get in there or two days to get in there, depending on how on top of it your compliance is. Um, so you might still see a couple names trickle out of there. But when you're in the portal, like you're out there, you're you're able to talk to coaches, you're able to take visits and things like that. So like it's open for these guys. The window slamming shut is not it's it's not like the transfer window in in European soccer where you have to get the deal done by four o'clock or else you're you, you know you're not changing teams. This is a situation where you can get in the portal and then you can take visits in the spring. You can take visits in the summer. Um, obviously, you know if you, you want to get there as soon as possible if you're a player or if you're a team that's trying to to fill a void. But everybody that's in there right now still has an opportunity to go to another school. So we will see what happens with uh, w- w- with the guys that they've been in contact with. And I, I think this second window, not great. Like this is kind of what we expected. You know, it's going to be a bunch of backups that went through spring and, and then maybe some surprises. I know Ke- Keon Coleman went into the portal last night from yep. Michigan State. Be interesting to watch. I don't think Penn State's really like a, a destination. It, you know, it sounds like he's from Louisiana. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's so down south makes sense. But that was an interesting one because he's a starter for Michigan State. I know Peyton Thorne, the starting quarterback yeah. for Michigan State, although whether he was going to start next year or not, I don't know. Um, yeah. But, uh, he's in the portal. So you had some surprises going at the last minute. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it was kind of a, a trickle compared to the winter period in the uh, portal, which makes sense. I mean, that's that's only logical. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's going to be interesting to track to see where it goes. I will say, going back to my first point in terms of being in the portal, having con- uh, contact, Dante Cephas is still in the portal. But because he's in the portal, he's able to keep open contact with other schools, Penn State namely here. So that's, that's the interesting thing there is like, get your name in the portal. So you have the ability to uh, go out and check out other schools. Or if you want to return to your own school and you've talked to your coaches and they haven't cut off your financial aid or what, or, or what have you, um, then uh, you, you'll be able to make that work. So it's not a be all end all last night at midnight or whatever it, you can, you can still kind of work. And also grad transfers can go in whenever, like this is not a situation when, you know, it, where like you, it might be May 25th or something like that. And you see a name pop up in the portal. That's why they're a grad transfer. So I think Trey Potts was a grad transfer and popped up mid spring. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're looking at with, uh, with how things work with grad transfers. It's uh it's a lot to keep track of. There's, there's a lot of different rules. And one thing I'll say is a, a good, a good indication that a guy isn't welcome back is if he doesn't have a player profile page anymore. A couple of times I've looked Those over at sites. Zapped so quick. They oh do. my gosh. I, I made that. I, I, I had that observation this weekend. I went to look for a guy and it's just like, cause, cause it comes up on Google. Like the player's name comes up mm-hmm. on Google. It's like 404 not found. It was like, Oh, you ain't, you ain't coming back there guy. So uh, yeah. funny, funny stuff. How these uh, SIDs are all of a sudden on it. Uh, yeah. I guess that, I, that comes from the coaches though. I imagine it's a couple of guys. They don't have the the most uh, graceful of exits. Uh, Ryan says, what's up, guys? And uh, 
Emir says, great show. Thanks. Appreciate all you guys in the chat. We'll be talking to you. There's a couple questions here when we get to our next segment that I want to get to. But let's first set it up. As we said at the top of the show, Penn State is halfway through their class. So it's time for a roster reset. Uh, this is going to be looking at kind of a general overview, not necessarily position by position, although I will be pointing out areas of strength and places that the class is still working on, and we'll be getting through all those details, but we're not going to hit on every single position. Some of your questions in the chat are valid in, in those areas, but let's let's take a look at the class strength so far. Um, when we look at the class of 2024, here are the positions that the Nittany Lions have done a lot of work at so far. And a lot of these positions you'll understand. Cornerback, offensive line make up the majority of the class. Uh, running back and then linebacker is the question here that I have for you, Fitz. Would you say this is a class strength? Because there's two players, but they're basically the same. Like they're at the same position at, at kind of both are mics. So is this a class strength, or do you think there's still more to work on at linebacker with more names that we're going to see and, and maybe even doubling up uh, what they have now? I think the question mark is appropriate there. Uh, you want to get some more athletes, probably a Sam type. Uh, Waller from from Mississippi is a guy that is really good. Penn State has done a really nice job recruiting him so far. Uh, Elijah Newby is also one to, uh, I would say, keep an eye on as, as a guy that's rising up the board for a lot of schools, he's running in track or he's running track now, and he's doing things that he should not be doing at his size, six, three, 200 plus running sub 11 seconds. So, uh, I think there's a lot to like there in terms of Newby. So I think they're going to try and get more athletic at linebacker. As you mentioned, two mics for the most part, uh, two box guys at least at the very least, but two mics. Yeah. Um, in Anthony Specka and and Kari Jackson. So I think that that is an area that is fairly strong right now, but I think it's it, it has a lot of room to get better. And I think they're going to continue to do that, continue to get more athletic, add those guys with length, with with pop yeah. on the outside and, and, and recruit that outside position. That's I'm interested in that because the, there's a lot of good linebackers left on the board and there's a lot of good athletes left on the board at that position so um what they have now i think is a, is a great base to work from and then adding and filling out that class is is going to be the interesting thing and how many choices they have to make there because i mean uh willer uh, um the i apologize for his name i'm blanking on his name from uh the same place as the tight end where pence went up to new england uh we just talked about him last show Newbie, uh, yeah, no yeah, like newbie, new, new, yeah, newbie is an awesome looking prospect. Waller is another guy that people are very, very high on. We get asked about a lot, including here by Michael. He says, "Are guys like Ernest Willer and Jamonte Waller primed for an on three a hundred bump?" And if both guys commit, here's the question that's always behind the question: Is this is top ten class? So let's start with just you know the player evaluation. Do you think both those guys could see uh, an increase in where they are in the on three hundred? I think they can. I think more so Waller, um, just because if you look at him as an edge prospect, he's only a hair over six foot. Like he's short for an edge prospect. And I think that's going to be what holds him back in terms of like ultimate ranking. Although I do think what 24 seven has the most five star. Like his kid is really, really darn good. Um, he fits as a might or excuse me. He fits as a will uh, for Penn State. And yeah. I love him at that fit. Like he's a guy that can attack um, guy can can come off the edge if he needs to can can blitz from the second level just do some really, really good things all over the field. And uh, he's a fit. And again, size is going to be something where, you know, it, it might hurt him at some schools that, that you know, you get him on campus and you think maybe this guy's supposed to be 6'2", this guy's supposed to be 6'3", whatever. He's not. So that, I think that helps Penn State, to be honest with you, because um, mm -hmm. they've seen him, they like him, they've committed to recruiting him as a top target, and they've they've done 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 as such. So I think they've done a really nice job recruiting him. I, I, I think he should be... A four-star guy. Uh, I know on three has him as a three-star at least the last time I checked, um, which was you know seemed seemed low to me. Uh, but uh, I'm not the one doing those evaluations. I think Waller's a heck of a player. He's fun. I mean, he's just yeah. put on a tape. He's fun to watch. He is, and and I'll show you here um, the players we're talking about that are part of the committed class. Waller, that tweener thing, I think is just like because talking to Charles, and one of the things he talks about is r ranking these guys like it's the NFL draft. So those measurables are really important and guys that are tweeners tend to fall through the cracks. So a guy like Waller that maybe he's an edge, maybe he's a linebacker. He probably isn't going to rank the same way as somebody who has 34 inch arms and is six foot five and has a clear defined position. A couple of other guys that don't have a clear defined position that I want to talk about here uh, as a segue into the offensive line, Caleb Brewer listed as an athlete as a three-star really good athlete. Some of the things on his tape, you know, in terms of rawness and position, fit 
I think are, are part of the reason he is a three-star. I think it's accurate for him because of all of those kind of um, mysteries about him. But when we talk about the offensive line, we're going to talk about Egan Boyer and Garrett Sexton later in the show, but Brewer, how does he fit into this picture with a, a really strong class overall? Yeah, I, I think he is an offensive lineman in terms of like what he brings to the table from his tool tool set. Um, but I think he's got the ability to play on the defensive line, play a defensive tackle. I'll be really interested to see which direction his body goes. He's cutting weight to be a 285-pound wrestler right now. He's a very good wrestler. Also wrestled, I think, with a broken wrist that he just got fixed up uh, in this offseason. So like, there's a lot to like in terms of what he brings to the table. He's out there running routes at 280 pounds. Um, you know, he's he's physical. Yeah. He's uh, aggressive. Um, you know, it, Ross Tucker loves this kid, just absolutely loves this kid. Um, and I, I got a text from Ross a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't talked to Ross in a while and it was a three page text or whatever about how, how this kid is, uh, <laughs> he's, he's definitely one to watch. Um, and, uh, I, I'll take Ross's opinion. He knows what he's, he knows what he's looking at. So be very interested to see Brewers growth. Uh, is he a, I mean, he might be a 315 pound guard. Like it, yeah. it might be a situation where he just, uh, you know, Found, finds his way early in his career and then kind of settles in and, and and is a productive player. But I like a lot of the things that he does, but you can see that he's probably um, capped by what he doesn't do right now in terms of rankings. Yeah, arm length is one thing I'm interested with him uh, specifically, but not even just arm length. I, I always talk about functional length because if you have 34-inch arms but you don't use them, it doesn't matter. And he doesn't have the longest arms and doesn't really have great hand usage. It shows up especially defensive tackle, uh, where I see he's got one or two moves, and I don't know that he, he kind of just pinballs into the defense, the offensive line, and then goes and makes a play because he's super athletic. So I, I'm very interested to see how he develops and and what skills present themselves. Obviously, cornerback is a great position here. You can see John Mitchell, Kenny Woosley, Antoine Belgrave shorter. I think we're a little bit higher. And, and certainly Penn State is a little bit higher on their cornerback class than maybe this picture presents. Because, again, Penn State's a top 10 class. they got a lot of three stars. Some of these guys have a lot of hidden talent. And I think you can see corner is one area. Uh, you would agree, especially on the outside, right, with, with these two guys that can play press and bump and run. Yeah, I agree. Mitchell and, and Belgrave Shorter can both play on the outside. Belgrave Shorter could be a safety. Uh, Mitchell, I'm very, very high on, on Mitchell. And then you can put Kenny Wosley in the slot. And like he he's probably an inside out guy. Like he's you know a little bit shorter, but uh he can he can play. He's quick enough to uh to play in the slot. So I'm fine with corner. Uh if you can land a Jameer Grimsley, like that would be cherry on top type Daniel Harris like cherry cherry on top for that class. Um, cause he's very, very good as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you can never count on Florida, but Penn State's got a couple of commits in Florida. They're working on some other guys in Florida. So maybe this is, uh, this is the time they get over the hump and, and get those guys across. I know Grimsley was impressed with his visit when he came up in the spring, he's going to come back in the summer. So, uh, that's definitely, if you're looking at how to make a strong group, even stronger, Grimsley is, he's, he's very good. The the offensive line, to circle back to them quickly, because we don't talk about it enough, the godfather of class, Cooper Cousins. Uh, he's been in this class for so long. And to be six foot six, 305, and be a center for Penn State, an interior offensive lineman, how much of an advantage is that for this class, to have that flexibility? I think, well, the flexibility there is at 6'6". Six, six, I mean, he can play tackle. It wouldn't be a shock yep. to me if next year at spring ball we saw him at tackle just to get him the skills. It's like it's like when they br bring guys in at uh, at safety and play him at corner for a year or something like that to learn the coverage skills to do all that. If you can learn, I know center is a tough position to master, but if you can learn the tackle skills, the kick set, all that kind of stuff that makes you an all more all-around lineman, and if he can stick there, like we talked about Birchmeyer this spring, potentially sticking there, his value is is sky high as an interior lineman. Everybody's value is higher as an offensive tackle because that yep. position so so much more important. Uh, not so much more important, but so is so important. So I think that's where you get the the value and the flexibility with Cooper Cousins. Yes, he does seem like your center of the future, but also if you can be an offensive tackle. You have that in your arsenal. So, I mean, you're you're recruiting guys. They're recruiting big guys. Garrett Sexton's over 6'6". Egan Boyer's yep. nearly 6'8". Uh, Cooper Cousins is is about 6'6". So, like, they're recruiting bigger guys. Um, I know Franklin said that about the defensive line um, after the Michigan game last year, but 
it it holds true for both sides of the ball. I mean, you look at the the last class with Javen Williams, Anthony yeah. Dunk is big, Birch is big. Uh, they had Malik McNeil, who was huge. So like there there yeah. was an emphasis on getting bigger. Now you want those guys to be able to move. You want those guys to be able to to, to be tough and block and things like that. So we'll see what happens with that group. Um, but uh, you've got to, you've got a lot to like in that offensive line group, and they're still on some guys. I I don't think they're slowing down on Kevin Haywood, William Satterwhite, Packy Finau is coming in for a visit. So you've got a bunch of guys that are still out there. That net is often cast wide, but I'm not sure that they've caught as much in that net as they have in the 2024 class so far. Yeah. Phil Troutwine's done a really nice job. He has, especially if you, like you just mentioned, if you consider that Cooper Cousins can be a tackle prospect, um, I wrote something that we'll talk about here in just a minute. If you consider that, they've got three, and they might be able to get four. And I don't know the last time they, they've they been able to do that, and that's a very and, impressive and the top situation. guy might be a defensive lineman, so you've got that going <laughs> too. So, yeah. Uh, to round out the strengths here, and we talked about this a little bit with Corey when we talked about Corey Smith and his commitment, but you see him here at the bottom, 5'11", 175, and then we come up to the top, Quentin Martin, seen as an athlete. So you think that there is room for another running back in this class? You think that that's a... a a likelihood or maybe not a likelihood it would have to take a special guy to get into this class. Yeah, I think the the, the last part is is what you nailed there. It would take a special guy. I've met Jay Wan Sider. Jay Wan Sider is like Terry Smith on offense. He wants as many guys as he can get. So, uh, you know, you take Quentin Martin. They took Quentin Martin as a running back. We have him listed as an athlete. They took him as a running back. He's a really good player, uh, really all-around player. Uh, Corey Smith, good player, but they're going to keep pushing. Uh, they're going to keep pushing for some of the top backs in the country. Like, this is a situation where – Penn State has recruited running back really well. Penn State has a brand at running back. They've got Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen who are carrying on that brand of Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, et cetera. And they're going to try and cash in as much as they can. If it means taking a third back, which isn't likely at this point, but if it means taking a third back in this class, you have the ability to do so. Now, maybe that's something that pops up in October, November, something like that. But at the same time, like they're going to keep up. I mean, Cider keeps up relationships unlike anyone I've ever seen. Like it's 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 ridiculous. And that goes beyond Florida. There's a lot of guys out there, um, you know, just in spots you don't think of Virginia, West Virginia. Like he, he keeps up his 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 roots there and his ties in West Virginia. I mean, he said that you're just all over the place. So I think they're going to continue to recruit running backs. I don't know that they're going to be all in your face about it, bringing guys for officials like that in June, but maybe. For the whiteout, the guy pops up. Something like that uh, could happen. So, yeah, it's, uh, as Rob said, a nice problem to have. Um, you can be selective at that position. There are some really good players still out there, and there's some really good players um, out there on the radar that we don't really consider on the radar. Like the uh, number one back in the on-three rankings name is slipping me right now. Wants to visit Penn State. Okay, you're going to let him visit. Like that's, that's going to be a situation uh, where you – have that flexibility and it's not a situation where you're running guys out and running guys back in. So it's a good position to be in. Cider does a, a really nice job with that. And uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't give up on Jordan Lyle, you know, there's, there's, there's guys out there that are just that good. And as I mentioned, Ohio state took a three running back class. It can be done. It, mm -hmm. it can be done. Not likely to be done, but it can be done. Let's move on to the areas of the class that the, that they're still working on. And I think it's interesting to point out that, of this group, there are two new position coaches who have yet to land a recruit, which I think makes a ton of sense seeing as one of them was officially hired at the start of camp. But quarterback, wide receiver, defensive line, and safety. Now, safety, obviously, you mentioned Belgrave Shorter could be a part of that conversation, but there are no official commitments at this point, I believe. So how do you feel about where these positions stand right now in terms of they don't have recruits but you feel confident Penzi's in good position with guys that they are targeting it's just these are taking a little bit longer I think safety is you look at this group and you feel probably best about it. DeWan Lane came out with the top five this weekend. Penn State's right in it. I know Notre Dame's in it as well. Michigan just offered they're in it. But uh, this is a, a a recruitment where you have a really good chance and he may be the top guy there. It's it's a difficult to look at the safety board because Dewan Lane could be a Sam, you know, he is he like a Curtis Jacobs type guy. Uh, it's hard mm -hmm. to say, but I know he's good. I know I know he's good and they want him. So like that's a guy that I have at the top of the board as a as a defensive athlete hybrid whatever you want to call it, but he's a top target. Um beyond that, you've got a bunch of guys in New Jersey, Kosh Sanders is out there, Babu Torre, you know, you've got guys all over the place in terms of safeties that you're going to bring in for visits uh this summer. So I feel fine with safety as long as Poindexter's there. And I mean, yeah. 
you look at all these positions and which one is like not hype, but which one is the one that is drawing the most praise right now is safety. Like, I think that'll be one where it works itself out because of the assembly line that Poindexter has been able to put through uh, over the last couple of years. Hear great things about KJ Winston here. Great things about Zaki Wheatley. Those guys are still young players. So be interesting to see them uh, sort of filter through that and, and eventually see who comes out on top. Uh, yeah, I think wide receiver and defensive line are going to move slower. I mean, that's just natural when you bring in uh, new guys uh, to form relationships or sort of renew relationships. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the summer there. You would like to have gotten started. I'm not going to lie. I, mean, I think you would like to have a defensive lineman on on, yeah. on the board right now, whether that be Jalen Harvey, yeah. uh, Malachi Xavier Williams. Gilliam would be the one that I was surprised that it hadn't committed yet, given how much we talked about him and how much buzz there was this spring. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. So, um, But I, I think that defensive tackle, probably a little bit more important if you're splitting between the two. Um, mm-hmm. Benedict Ume was on campus for the spring game. That was huge. Uh, Nigel Smith's been up a couple of times. Xavier Gilliam, I know... Uh, that uh, Ryan has a pick in for him. There's there's names out there. There's plenty of names out there, and they're going to filter out and get here on campus this summer. Uh, I'm not a panic guy, but uh, you know you'd like to see one one or two guys on board already. Just hasn't Do happened feel- yet. So be interesting to see, especially with the changeover, the way that it was done. In that you brought in a guy that was already here. How do those relationships carry over? How does he do it with the with the big coach pants on and 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 go from there? I think Dion will be fine because he's a good recruiter. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to see this summer what those two positions are are really made of. Do you feel uh, this is one thing I've been trying to gauge? And uh, at offensive tackle this spring, I felt very good about the number of players that I felt had quality film and were quality prospects that Pensey was in on at tackle. I feel similarly, maybe not as deep at defensive tackle, watching a lot of the film, seeing a lot of the guys in the names that Penn State seems to have positive relationships with. So you mentioned you're not a panic guy. Is that why? And do you think that that pool is deep enough that if they miss on a couple, they're still quality players that you feel like can come in and be a complete player and not a guy that is a, uh, he can do one specific thing, more of what they're looking for and they've been unable to get recently? Yeah, I mean, you're swinging big there. Uh, also, you're recruiting Liam Andrews as a defensive lineman, so that certainly comes into the mix here, um, gives you the opportunity to bring in a really, really good player, although we, we do think he's a better offensive lineman, but also he's a pretty darn good defensive lineman. One of the few guys, like sometimes we say that guys can play on both sides of the ball. I think yeah. Liam Andrews really could play on both sides of the ball and excel. Um, I mentioned Ume, Nigel Smith. So those are your big guys right there. Uh, T.A. Cunningham from California as well. Um, but I, I feel good about the group that they have, like sort of closer to home. Like I, you struggle to call them fallbacks, but the guys that are rated just a little bit lower, good players. I mentioned Gilliam, David Polly Polly, like Penn State. Yeah. The, the, the arrow is trending upward on, on David Polly Polly in terms of their interest and I think in terms of his interest in them. DeAndre Cook in D.C., a uh, guy that we don't talk about very much. He was just up. His size checks out, things like that. So, like, it's it's not a situation where if you go big game hunting and you don't have or you don't get those guys, you don't have anybody to fall back on. I think they have a deeper pool than probably you give them credit for. Yeah, and that's um, <laughs> when you can get a mix of those guys too. It's bit with the class size from what you and Ryan have talked about of how many they want to take. That also op- opens the opportunity to take maybe some of your top targets, and then some of the guys that you want to take a flyer on, or some of the guys that you think are really solid. Quarterback, we have to talk about quarterback. I, I'm always bad about this of getting to it not first because that's what people want to know about the the tack or the, the quarterback board we talked about this last week you check out our show uh and some of the conversations we had on the youtube channel previously but how do you feel here sitting in the evaluation period about the quarterback situation and will they land one of the guys that they think is a quality addition to the roster I, i'm fine with it right now i you would obviously like to have one of those top guys on early um van buren you thought you were in a good spot for then you thought he was going to commit to Oregon. Now all of a sudden Luke Moga jump, jumps on board with Oregon, and maybe that one's thrown back up in the air. Croman Hope has always been the guy. Luke Croman Hope, the Florida State guy. Uh, Florida State commit has always been the top guy. Uh, so you keep chipping away there. Um, I, I think it's important that you don't sacrifice what you're looking for just to grab a quarterback. Like yeah. you, you can get a quarterback from camp. It's not ideal. They did it with Jackson Smollett last year, though. So we will see where that one goes. Um, you know, you a lot of schools have quarterbacks in the boat. Penn State does not. I think the the being two classes behind Aller, you have the opportunity to bring in another big time guy in 2024, maybe a little bit more in 2025. But in 2024, you still have enough space in between there that you can continue to sell it. Interesting visit on Friday. Check out the site for that because that 
might throw a wrench into everything. So um, I think there's a lot to uh, there's a lot of dominoes that would have to fall for Penn State to be in an ideal quarterback situation. And even taking, I mean, we talked about Van Buren in the past. Like he's a really really good quarterback, but he also has some shortcomings in terms of yep. his size. So like I don't think there's going to be a perfect fit at this point. I don't think there's anybody in the in the region that really jumps out to you as a bona fide guy that, that you love. I know Ryan Puglisi was is committed to Georgia, but Penn State didn't offer him. Like mm-hmm. Mike Yersich has a mold. He has standards for what he's looking for. And top 150 or top 100 kid didn't really fit that mold. So he didn't go in that direction. I kind of credit him for that because you want to do that. Grunkelmeyer, um, yeah. uh, who is from Ohio, Yersich saw him throw last week, offered him. So it's an interesting dynamic as well. So I think it's one of those things where you've got to have some patience. Um, I, I don't think it's a situation where you're running and panicking now. I expected Van Buren off the board this weekend. He didn't come off the board this weekend. So mm-hmm. that helps helps you feel a little bit better. But at the same time, it's very, very interesting. And Samaj Jones still hanging around as well down there in Philly. Uh, I got a chance to do a little bit of a deeper dive on Ethan Grunkmeyer uh, this past weekend. I'm really impressed. I think that's a guy who could be a huge upside play and it, and it has a lot of, I hate using the word it factor, but there's there's plays like, he extends the play, but he's looking downfield. He's manipulating the defense intentionally from the pocket to do certain things to get certain coverages open. Um, seeing some of the the advanced level things and of thought process on his film, and the way he flicks the ball and it zooms out of his hand, like there's a lot to be impressed with Ethan Gruckmeyer. I know it's not again not a complete prospect, not a perfect fit, but. Um, in terms of the hierarchy of needs, there's a lot of things he does on film that like check off one, two, three, and then you get down to some of the other things and you go, okay, we have to work on some of this. We're all, we'll be touching on him quite a bit during this evaluation period, heading into the official visit season over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. So stay tuned for that last and, and place. Before oh, sorry, we get go there, ahead. With, with quarterbacks, they just offered Trevor Jackson. The elite 11 tour is coming uh, to state college, but it's also going everywhere else. Trevor Jackson was uh, at the first stop and got invited to the elite 11. Maybe he's not on Penn State's radar before that, but, you know, Yersich pays attention to that stuff. Penn State pays attention to the Elite 11 stuff because they trust the guys that are doing the evaluations. So I'm not convinced that Penn State's done offering quarterbacks either. Like, mm-hmm. this could be a situation where you could see a guy pop up in the, you know, at, at a different regional or something like that and and really uh, impress the staff. And Yersich still has some time to go see him throw. So I think once you get through the spring evaluation period, you'll have a better idea of where these guys kind of stack up, but I don't think they're done offering guys in 2024. And I don't think it's necessarily a panic offer, but I think it's, it's an opportunity to further evaluate and get out there. Trevor Jackson looks like a pretty good player. Like he was certainly not on my radar uh, before this elite 11 uh, camp that he went to, I believe that was either in late March, early April. Um, But uh, I think that this is how they work it with uh, when you don't have a guy that's a no brainer right in your backyard. It make you can make it work uh, other ways, and that's the way that yeah. they're, they're taking this uh, this approach. And as I said, Elite Eleven's coming to uh, to Penn State in May, so we'll see if they can get. I mean, you can. I don't want to say use that as a chip, but you can attract quarterbacks to your general area. I know this is at State yeah. College High, but you have the opportunity to visit Penn State while you're here, so you can say, "Hey, you can come up and compete in this camp. We want to see you not necessarily throw there in person, but we want to see you." On campus, we want to t- take you around, get to know you, all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of a, a chip for Penn State there to have that back in town, I think, is is a very big thing, uh, especially for for this position. I always get ahead of myself, and you've mentioned that a couple times. It's a really great point that um, Penn State can slow play a little bit. If they don't have a guy that they absolutely want, don't just take a guy, as you said. You, you know, late bloomers are a real thing. Not everyone develops at the same rate, so... Um, that's why rankings always update and change and evolve because these guys are updating, changing and evolving. And, and the, the more some guy does develop late, the more it changes the kind of the landscape that you knew the whole time. So last, last position group I want to get to here. And I apologize. We're running a little longer, but this is a really great conversation. I don't feel as great about receiver as I do about some of the other positions we've talked about, given the names, giving some of the things I've seen, uh, in terms of the the player in the fit um not a panic guy obviously but is this as deep of a board as we've seen before or is this still kind of one of the situations where they're still trying to work through a lot of stuff with Hagen's being new you really look at uh chance robinson and say you would love to get him here to campus for an official visit before he committed obviously came off the board of miami 
they're still going to chip away. But it's it's recruitments like that where you are trying to hold off as long as you can to get these guys on campus. And then one of those falls and it's, it's a pretty big chip. They, they felt pretty good about Chance Robinson, the relationship that they've had. He's been on campus before. It came up, I think, for the whiteout last year. So they that that's a recruitment where it was tough. Now, on the flip side, you get Nick Marsh back on campus in, in June, or you got him back on campus last month, and that went better than you could have hoped for. You know, you, you set up an official visit. There's a guy that's been a top target for, for a long, long time. So uh, that's kind of the flip side to that recruitment. Um, but yeah, you it's kind of like defensive line. You'd like to have a guy on board right now. Um, you, you've got a couple of options maybe closer to home. Um, Josiah Brown was on campus, and he's going to be back for an official um, the, the kid from Camden who I just, uh, Hornsby, Jalen Hornsby, um, who is, uh, was slipping my mind there for a second. He seems like a realistic option as well, but sort of like defensive tackle, that's going to be a big group. That's going to be a group of three or four receivers in this class. You're going to have a group of four defensive tackles in this class. Like that, those are going to be big groups. So you would think that uh, a guy would have jumped on board by now, but it'd be interesting to see how Haggins handles this room. Um, you know, again, it is May 1st, so it's not a situation where you need to sign them right now. Yep. Um, but you would like to see more of those official visits set up with guys that you think are of this caliber. And, and that's another important thing yep. is I think they could have guys right now. Like I think you could have them at a couple different positions right now. Uh, guys that have that little check mark beside their name as as offers but you know you want to make sure that you've got the evaluation down you want to make sure that these guys are fast enough strong enough and have the intangibles that you're looking for to play this position and you're not yep. just jumping to, to, to grab guys just to grab guys yeah i think that's a that's a great point and they need to solve certain acute problems on the roster and some things james franklin has talked about several times this spring and if that's not just a that's just not a spring issue, a 2023 season issue. That is a chronic issue where they need to get specific guys into the program. So I think that's a really important position for Penn State in this cycle. I, obviously, everyone, I think, agrees with that part. Um, let's move on. We're going to have a quick conversation, then we'll get to Garrett Sexton's interview where we're talking about him and Egan Boyer. So last week I wrote about these two tackle prospects over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. If you want to check that article out, I'll throw that in the link of this to video in a little bit after the show. But one of the things that I've been looking at is I know position versatility is a great thing to sell for offensive linemen at Penn State, but nothing's better than having length and size. So I went back through the history of James Franklin at Penn State. And I did my best as a, I'm not a historian here. I don't remember all these things specifically, but I looked at arm length and general height of like pure tackle prospects. Penn State has two in the class of 2024. Here are the times over the last 10 years where Penn State has had two guys that have the length and size to be a tackle. 2015, Sterling Jenkins, Paris Palmer. 2018, possibly the, the best combination that ever was with Rasheed Walker and Nana Asidu. And then 2020, with uh, Penn State's star tackle, Olaf Ishanu, and Jimmy Christ, who just recently transferred to Virginia. So this is, to me, this is an unprecedented class of guys that have talent, they have the length and size, but also the athleticism, I think, to both be reasonably projectable guys that hit, that are, that are talented. So Fitz, is there anything you want to clean up here on this particular conversation through the history part, or do you want to just jump right into evaluating the two guys that they have on the roster this year? Not much. Um, I think that there is a type and Phil Troutwine doesn't seem to have caved to that. This, this, uh, this cycle, obviously you always want traditional tack, like prototype tackles, 34 inch mm -hmm. arms plus whatever. Um, you can't always get that, but you do what you can with what you have. And I think this was the, most diverse board of actual tackles out there. Like even some of, even some of your interior guys, you mentioned Cooper cousins have tackle size. So they've upped what they're looking for in terms of size, in terms of length, in terms of frame and things like that. So I think that they've done a good job finding what they want and, you know, pressing like Garrett mm -hmm. Sexton's offer list is good. Um, got better with that Wisconsin offer, obviously, but like, it's not a no brainer where you're looking to take, you know, this is not a national guy. We have him ranked really highly on three, but this is not a national um, guy by any stretch. So they've yeah. done a nice job emphasizing what they're looking for, a body type, a frame, uh, all this kind of stuff, feet, 
uh, footwork and things like that. Uh, yep. Boyer is a really interesting prospect where he is like he's there. There haven't been many built like him that have come through here. So yep. uh, Penn State has found a, a type. Phil Troutwine has gone with that and, uh, and and really hit the gas. And it's interesting to see because they've got still got some guys out there. Hey, Kevin Haywood's still out there. Uh, Packy Finau's still out there. You know, you've got guys that may fit this mold as well. And I don't want to say there's a surplus of them because there never is of guys that can move like that at <laughs> right. that size. But like that, it was a pretty good recruiting job by Phil Troutwine this this cycle. I are you as high on Sexton as I am because I looking at. I understand this is a very raw prospect. Yes. But he and I spoke, and you're going to hear a little bit about that in terms of his intelligence and understanding his role on the offense, a former quarterback that knows the whole offense. So from a positional intelligence standpoint, I think it's off the charts. You can see even though he's raw, he knows what he's doing. Secondarily, I don't know that I've seen a guy that has the movement skills that he does with the length and the obvious violence in his in his game. Like I, I don't see a whole lot of flaws other than he needs to learn the position in, in his films or are you as high on him? Because I think he could be in that category of Olufashanu in terms of upside in, in his recruitment. I understand he's very raw. He played very light last year, but I don't see anything that normally I go, okay, I don't like that. Or I don't think that can be fixed. There's none of that for me. And for an offensive tackle that is rare and they got, I think two of them that are in that mold. So uh, do you see it the same way or what, what am I missing? If you, if you don't No, I, I I'm high on him. I'm not going to throw around the Olu uh, comparison <laughs> uh, because I know what that brings with it. Uh, I was very high on Olu um, as well when he's in high school, but uh, it, it, sometimes you find guys where a really, really good compliment is kid doesn't know what he's doing. And that's what I, I see in Sexton because you see so many of the good things, the feet, uh, the, the, the activity, like he is really, really active as an offensive lineman. And, you know, he's going to be, when he, when he gets to 300 pounds, is going to be that same guy. I don't know, but he's got a lot of boxes there and then you have to teach him how to block. And he seems to have the capacity. And I, I actually just put up a deep dive on Garrett Sexton here. And one of the things I took away was if you can commit to going from a 185 pound quarterback to a 240 pound offensive tackle in a year, learn to play the position, actually play the position, excel at the position. That shows me that you've got the mindset and the, the, the determination needed to get where he needs to be. Not necessarily as like a willing blocker, because I don't think that that's uh, what comes to play here, but have the ability to get where he needs to go work, where he needs to go and work himself into it. So I think that's the most encouraging thing. Um, sometimes it, it just doesn't click with offensive linemen. I think he's fine. The quarterback background is great. Like it's fantastic. But I mean, how much does he know as a sophomore quarterback in Wisconsin playing high school football? Like I, I think that that state or that part of it is probably going to be overstated. We make the Lane Jan Johnson jokes and comparisons and things like that. So that's probably a little bit overstated. But you just love what you see from his approach. You love what you see from his uh, building blocks, I would say. Not yeah. Not even close to being a complete player yet, but you can see the elements of of being a really really good offensive tackle in Garrett Sexton. Yeah, and uh, we actually talk a little bit about that here in our conversation. Again, we'll have the full interview up this afternoon. BlueWayIllustrated.com. This is a just about a six minute sneak peek at what we talked about, and we do start with that quarterback transition uh, from his sophomore season to his junior year because it was much closer to camp than I think we realized when he made this move. And he talks about it here. We're speaking with Garrett Sexton. He is one of the latest commitments to the class of 2024 for Penn State football offensive tackle, um, but not always. And I, I, I'm interested. I know I, most Penn State fans that follow Penn State recruiting already know that you played quarterback before and you just transitioned mm -hmm. to the offensive line. But I yeah. want to ask you a couple more questions about that. When did you, when did you know? Because I know that the conversation is like uh, about transitioning from quarterback to offensive line, but when was mm -hmm. it really clear? Like, okay, this is what I really should do. Yeah. So honestly, it wasn't until I, maybe even after this time last year where the thought had even come up. Cause I weighed about 185 after basketball season which was March of well, 2022. So I was like, all right, I need to put on some weight. And got in the weight room, started eating good. I got up to around 225 pounds in May 
in May. So in a couple months, I put on some good weight. Um, and then it had brought up like coach had brought up tight end tackle. We needed a we needed another tackle really bad. And you know the decision really wasn't finalized until right before camp in uh, summer. I was still practicing quarterback. I I had run some routes. I had still pra- been practicing tackle. So the decision really wasn't final until like a week before our summer camp. But, you know, once, once it, once it was decided, that's, that's what I was playing. You know, I just took it and ran with it and I, I love it. And I think, I think tackles way better than quarterback. So really, I was, yeah, cause I, I was just about to ask, it's, it's hard to give up a glamor position for some people, mm-hmm. but, uh, but you're saying it was easy for you to, mm-hmm. to make the transition. Yeah. Well, for me, the thing I like about tackles, like there's something you got like a major job, every play, like a quarterback, sometimes you're going to be handed the ball off or, you know, obviously you'll you'll be throwing and getting all the glory, but I like tackle. I like putting guys in the dirt. So I noticed that. We'll get to your highlights in just a minute. I noticed that you you seem to really yeah. relish that part. Uh, mm. Did did playing quarterback for so long through the process did that help you see the field differently? I know oh, you oh, don't know sure. what it's like to just play offensive line, but it seems mm. like that helped you out understand your assignment. As far as mentally, yeah. I mean, I think I'm probably the only guy on the field. I knew what every single player on the field was doing every single play because that quarterback, I had to know every single route, what the running back was doing every play, and obviously quarterback. And now I know what every single lineman's doing every play. So I just think it's great. I know everything going on on the field, every single play. And anyone ever has a question can come ask me. Uh, that, by the way, you know, checking out your highlight film here, but checking out some of your full games, that comes mm-hmm. through as well. You you seem to understand your assignment. You understand the point of your assignment as well. And, you know, as our yeah. film guy, I love seeing that of kind of the big picture of like here, you know, OK, I got to get to the second level. I got to get to mm-hmm. that linebacker. I know that's my job on this play. Um, yeah. when, it, when it comes to your position, uh, how much have you been working with your position coach on on stuff like that? And what does your offense do that you think? can help your transition to Penn State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, our, our position coach is great. Uh, his name is Brad Lenaris. He, he's helped, he helped me a lot. He was one of the first people that saw, like, oh, this guy could be a really good offensive lineman. But, I, you know, I just worked with him every day. I felt like we were getting better every practice, and he helped me a lot. And as far as, you know, like what, what we do in our offense, it really – I feel like I'm really able to get into space a lot and run and use my athleticism. So I think that's, that's an advantage of our offense. We run a lot of outside zone and stuff. Or a pin and pull, so it gets me into a lot of open space where I can get guys out in the field. Yeah, and that's I think a part and something that I've been watching Penn State's offensive line develop mm-hmm. in some of those schemes for a while. So that yeah. that ability, to, especially on the backside, to get to some of those blocks, not a lot of guys have that ability. So mm-hmm. it seems like from a schematic point, it's a really good fit between you and what Penn State wants to do. But mm-hmm. I got to ask this question now. I, I just I have to ask this. Mm-hmm. Uh. Six foot six. How much do you weigh right now? Around two fifty, maybe a little okay. bit more. How the hell are you so fast? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I work on my speed, work on agility, footwork, and all that stuff. Uh, I, I apologize if that's an embarrassing question or if that's a little bit off the cuff, but like yeah. it is impressive how fast you are on the football field for an offensive lineman, and I think mm-hmm. a big part of why on three. Uh, has you where we do in our rankings as well. So, you know, in terms of kind of like, how did you, how did you grow? Like, did you just mm-hmm. shoot up recently or have you been this big for a while now being as tall and as long yeah. as athletic as you are? I think it was like a freshman. I was like, like going into my, like the, so the summer between eighth grade and freshman year, eighth grade year got done. That was like COVID. I was like six feet tall in June. And then by September I was six, four. So I got I got pretty tall pretty quick there, and then I just kind of put on them the next two to three inches over gradually until now. But I've been I think one of the things that 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 I take advantage of you know if I'm not going to be as heavy because like last season I was playing around two twenty, so two two twenty two twenty five during season. So I think if I wasn't going to be the heaviest guy, I better be the fastest, have the best footwork. So. Do you have a, a forty time you'd be willing to share that you've done recently, or is it I, have you done? I have not. I don't. I don't have a forty time, but I've never ran one of them time. So, uh, so there's a lot of things I'm sure that you're working on. Somebody who is very, very new to the position, but is mm-hmm. there something specifically that you said? Okay, I need to be better at this, and that'll help my offense a lot next year where mm-hmm. maybe you focus on one thing while all of your skills are kind of developing at the same time mm-hmm. and kind of, and you're soaking up all that information on the offensive line. What, what would yeah. be one thing you would point out? 
probably probably my pass it right now. I think that's the one thing that's lacking. I think that takes a little bit longer to, you know, pick up. I think some of the other stuff is just going to be natural size and ability. I want to work on, like, my hand placement and my footwork too. But for sure the pass that I think that's the number one thing I need to focus on going into next season. Thanks again to Garrett for joining us um, this weekend. You'll see the full interview coming up in just a little bit. Fitz, any last thoughts to get us out of here? I just was, I stayed on because you were wearing the same shirt and that's all I had to comment on. Uh, Good stuff from Garrett. Um, I think he understands the process. And I think, again, I can't understand how, understate how important that is uh, for a guy like, for a guy like him to understand that he's going to come in as a freshman and it's going to be tough because he's going to be smaller and, and don't get hung up on the weight right now. Cause he's going to be bigger by the time that he, uh, he gets on the campus, but it's going to be a process to get there. It's going to be a process when he gets here. Um, and that's going to be an interesting way to, or it's going to be an interesting watch to see how he, uh, how he figures it out. Yeah. I, I tend to get overexcited and maybe Olu Fashanu is a, is a high bar to set, but like I said, I, I like so many things he does on film. I'm, I think he has um, not unlimited potential, and, and there are obviously some things he needs to work on. But the skill level and all of those things you just mentioned, just meeting him for that brief period of time and seeing some of those context clues on film, he seems like, as you said, he understands the process. He's got the work ethic and the determination to get there. So I'm excited to see how he progresses throughout the next couple years of his career. That'll do it today for the BWI live show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Sean Fitz killing it. As always, check out bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up now, like this video, do all the things, all the things that we do, we want you to be a part of it. So subscribe, like, rate, review, and a high five if you want as well. We'll be back on Wednesday with more Penn State football talk. We'll talk to you then.